Welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Torian B. If you guys are listening, Torian has on Lakers jersey, Lakers hat, so there's no question what team he's repping at all times. Yes. Um, how you feel about this season so far? Um, you know, they counted us out in the beginning, but you know, after the trade deadline, we, you know, we, we, we stunted on these hoes, you know what I'm saying? It's not about how you start, it's how, how you finish, and we finished it pretty strong right now. We just got Memphis up out of here, so when you guys listen to this, our series will be started with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. The big, bad Golden State Warriors, so yeah. you know, um. I know Kurt. I know Steph had to. So guys, I haven't been watching basketball like that in recent years, but I'm like making my way back on board. Um, reason being though, so like I have I have an Apple TV, and like you know what Apple TV like you have like a bunch of apps that you can like store, mm-hmm. and you sign up for different stuff. Um, which in retrospect, I guess I should have just asked you for a sign in because you have a sign in for everything. Yep. But my boy uh, put me on a Direct TV. And he gave me his sign-ins. Shout out to Dion. So, like, I've been catching up on all the sports and shit, like, over the past few weeks. So, I'm, like, up to date on everything that's happening in the playoffs for the first time in years. So, I've been in tune. Um, I know about Steph actually uh, going in on the team and just telling them, like, yo, like, y'all niggas got to step it up, basically. And then he he put down, he dropped 50 the other game. Yeah, bro. Um, to close out that series. Steph Curry is not human. And I'll be honest with you, um, I I think that it's kind of, like, weird. Like, whenever, like, people talk about, like, the discussion of, like, the best ball players ever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they kind of always, like, with Steph Curry, it's always like a yeah, but. Yeah. But it's just, like, what, do, what else does he have to do? You know what I think it is? So, when I was a kid and we used to watch dunk contests and we used to watch all these dominant players and All-Star Weekend was, like, really big. Also, weekend is not what it was before. Absolutely, like not. I, I think they just need to do some re re uh, programming of it or whatever. But that's down the line, and that's another conversation. But I think what it is is that now Steph has kind of redefined like how three pointers, three point shooters are looked at. So like before, I know when I was growing up, it was Steve Kerr. It was like it was a special these guys. It would yeah. So like. They didn't really generate the excitement like how the dunkers did. Mm-hmm. But I think now the tide is turning, and now there's more excitement toward three-point shooters. But I think since Steph is known predominantly as a three-point shooter, he doesn't get the same respect that like all the other dominant players get. Yeah, it's just I just think about it like this. like Steph Curry is like 6'2", mm-hmm. like 180 pounds soaking wet, and he be making everybody look foolish like to the point where like, Dudes is like they it's nothing they, and like nothing they could do with him like it's silly like he walks around with like his mouthpiece hanging out of his mouth like I just think that that conversation needs to be had right like you gotta look at it like he's been in the league for ten plus years now yeah how old is Steph now Steph Steph Curry is thirty four thirty five years old I think and like Kevin Durant is yeah, is getting 35. old Kevin Durant's getting old LeBron James is is prehistoric in basketball years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, like, Steph Curry, like, it doesn't look like he's slowing down. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like he can go, like, another five years, like, at, like, at a high, like, rate. So that's why I'm just saying. Like, obviously, the rules rules changing have, like, made things different. But he's definitely the boogeyman in the NBA. Yeah. Because at any time, like, he can just get hot. Like, it, it, like think about it like this. Like, with Steph Curry. complete control all the time. When Steph Curry misses, we'd be like, yo, he missed that? Yeah. 
Because they also, because honestly, every time I watch Steph, it feels like he can score when he wants to. Like mm-hmm. he just, it just seems like he has control all the time. Right. So, you know, um, in other news, like Dylan Brooks, is his life is in peril. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw about that too. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, it's unfortunate. Um, it's not fully, it hasn't been confirmed by the, by the team yet because free agency doesn't even start until July 1st. Uh-huh. But... Shams uh, reported that, like the Grizzlies said, we we have no interest in bringing you back next season, and I just think, like, damn, like everybody's been like, yo, he's going to China. Yeah, like, it's I just think it's hilarious because it's like, <laughs> in all actuality, like he was, he was just riding out for his team, mm-hmm. and like he just, you know, he just he just spoke to the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah, he spoke I, to the wrong. That's just like when people say, like, "Yo, remember that nigga that fouled Jordan? Remember when we was kids? They were uh, like, yeah, he's a Siberian like, where, where now.' He at now, yeah, where he at now? Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's interesting. I want to like this is like every playoff game that I've watched so far is exciting as hell. Even the even Philly and um and Celtics, that so, was exciting yesterday. Yeah. Um, well, for you guys watching this, it's probably like on Game Three at this point, yeah. but um. That series kicked off crazy. Like, um, fucking, what's this dude's name from Philly? James Harden or Ty? Okay, Ty, yeah, Ty I'll Maxey. say yeah, I'll say James Harden. Actually, James Harden, the game that he put up was crazy. Like in the de- in the last quarter, that was like mm-hmm. one of the most right. exciting quarters I've and seen. He's in been a while. No, he's been known as a choke artist in the playoffs, so like that's why it was so significant. Like Embiid is out, and like this was like a gimme game for Boston, and the fact mm-hmm. that like they won, like it should kind of like. Make Boston feel like a little. They should be a. They should be a little nervous. I'm, same I'm way. I'm sure they are. Hell yeah. Same way Phoenix should be nervous. They have yeah. fucking Kevin Durant, the cheat code. Like he's literally the creative player in a video game, and Joker is out there playing fundamental basketball. Like he's like the new age Tim Duncan. Like giving them thirty nine. So, and and Jamal Murray didn't even play good. So it's just like that mm-hmm. got to be demoralizing. Like yeah, you know. So and Harden um, putting up damn near fifty. Yeah. So the playoffs right now is really really exciting. Um, Lakers Nation all the way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I hope that we can. I hope that we make it to the finals. I hope that you know, as as episodes go on, you'll see me be happier and happier. <laughs> yeah, we'll it feels see. Pretty good right now. Um, you know, I want to see. I want to see what the Knicks do. You know. Oh yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, the Knicks. They they have their second. They have another game today. Actually, when well, at, you're at watching time, this at the time of us recording. Yeah, at the time of us recording, they have another game today. So they'll, they'll we'll see win how tonight. That goes. Um, Jimmy Butler's hobbled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Butler, he went crazy the other day. I mean, yeah. uh, of course, you know, he injured himself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had, he's had a few days to recover. So, we'll see. We'll see yeah. how this goes. I think, uh, yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Butler, man. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mr. Extensions. That guy. Yeah, he, he had them extensions for like a week. Yeah. And I guess he saw niggas clowning him and he took him out. Smart man. Welcome to Rap in Order, the interrogation of a hip-hop album, where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums, put them on the stand, see if they stood the test of time. Now let's see who we got on the stand today. Dun dun. So we'll get into the album today, because uh, of course we're here to actually review an album. Yes. Um, so for today, we picked a well. Torian picked an interesting one, um, Move Music Two, which is Joe Budden's uh, mixtape. 
from the critically acclaimed series. He had four of them. But for the second one, um, this one stood out to a lot of people. I mean, Complex Magazine noted it as one of the great, one of the best mixtapes of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, He had production on here from Ron Browse, DJ On Point, of course, who uh, hosted the original mixtape and not the reissue. Mm -hmm. Um, The Architects, Nelly Nell, Scott Storch, uh, Scram Jones. You know, this, I think Joe at this time, and he used... He used Move Music series to actually get and vent his frustrations out with uh, with his current label situation mm-hmm. or lack thereof, and um, and just actually with his current mind state. So like Joe, if you know anything about his music, has always been one of those guys that's really been transparent in his music, and people have appreciated him for it and for being recognized, going on to be recognized as like one of those mental health advocates, like that. Right. You know, like how people see Cuddy, like. People also see Joe in that light. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your overall feelings on this album from when it came out? Let's start there. So this when it came out, I had I had no idea this project I had, that it, it existed. Like mm-hmm. I had no idea. I was I was completely immersed in the way I was getting music was going to. Uh, I was living in Atlanta at the time, and I was a freshman. In, no, I was living in Jacksonville, Florida. I was a freshman in college. And I went back to Atlanta after one year, right? So that by that summer I was back home. So I would just go and get mixtapes to like and like ask my friends like what to listen to. Mm-hmm. So the only thing in two thousand five that I knew was going on with Joe Button was Dumb Out. Okay. And that was because um, everybody was like, "Yo, like him and Jay Z like got real beef. Like he yeah. had smoke for hope." And that was on every mixtape. Yeah, and it was, and it was on every mixtape. Yeah. So I knew about Dumb Out, but I didn't. I wasn't in tune with the 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 Move Music series because like I wasn't that invested in Joe Button. Like I knew Pump It Up was dope. I liked Fire. I liked Focus, but like I just wasn't that in tune. Now that I now once I got educated, <laughs> my boy Felix. Shout out to Felix. Um made me understand how important Joe Button was, right? Because Felix was very into the blogs yeah, and yeah. stuff like that, right? Um, I listened to it and I was like blown away because I didn't know that he was such like a great artist. And I kind of think what Dev Jam did with him, like, you know, we if you listen to Joe Button podcast, he's talked about it like like on like to no end, right? Mm-hmm. I like how he was handled and I just think like, damn, there's been so many times where like Jay-Z kind of like didn't get it. Right, and so like in LA, in LA Reed, absolutely, LA Reed had no problem saying he was like, "Yo, I'm a, I'm an R and B guy, but like I, I don't, I don't get rap." So like all he knew was like pop, like crossover rappers. He didn't know anything about underground rappers. Yeah. So and and there were things that like Dev Jam kept trying to like put on him, and because they were like, "Well, you're next to Fabulous, like do something, you know, like that." And I think because Joe so musically inclined and in tune with certain things, he was trying to touch on something that. Everybody at the Dev Jam label just didn't get because Dev Jam was all about crossover mm-hmm. artists. So he was just mishandled. But I, I can't believe he put out Move Music One and it got all that recognition. Mm-hmm. And then the label, like they were like told about it, heard the rumblings, but they still were like, Yeah, we don't yeah. know what to do. And they wanted they wanted to market him as a gangster rapper at first. Yeah, which um, is crazy. Yeah. But you talking about I know you've been told about that interview, right? Yeah. When yeah, yeah. Shorty said he was sitting Indian style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was yeah. sitting, yeah, they said, yeah, he was sitting Indian style. And it's just like, yo, like, but this is like really him. Like, let him just be him. And I think a big part of that was him even calling, naming, well, staying with his official name, Joe Budden, and not giving himself a rap name because he just wanted to be himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that poured over really well. But I was a really big Joe Budden fan early, early on. I remember when 
I came to New York and I first discovered Joe on like different mixtapes and shit. And early on, people didn't know what he looked like because he would just rap. Mm-hmm. He would link up with Clue. He would do these freestyles, but nobody knew what he looked like. And then there was like rumors that it was that Joe Budden was Rasheed Wallace. Yeah. 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 I was so, waiting for you to say it because yeah. I'm trying to get better at not cutting you off. <laughs> so there was uh, there was rumors of that. And... I think early on, I was like, yo, yeah, is this Rasheed Wallace? He makes, like, all these basketball references. So I didn't really know who he was until, like, you know, I started seeing him around. And he would pop up on tapes with Clue. So I was, like, really into Desert Storm and Paul Kane. And, like, I was in Triangle Offense, what they called themselves. So I knew about Joe. And, like, I copped the first album and everything. Like, first day. I remember copping the first album. And um, and then he kind of just disappeared. So I didn't know the politics and shit like that, like mm-hmm. how I know more now. But um, I just felt like he disappeared and I knew there was frustration because he rapped about it later. So like mood music series, I was into, but like I was never, I also just never was into like the production style. I was more into Joe when he rapped on other people's shit. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that his beat selection is as very good. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they just weren't mixed that well. Even for back then standards, like, right. they, they, they just weren't mixed that well. And it's funny because, like, his man's is Parks now. Yeah, yeah. So right. now Parks Parks got him right, but now he's not rapping, so it doesn't yeah. even matter. Um, but he's always, been, he's always been transparent, right? He's always been one of those artists that's been super transparent about addiction and you know drugs and depression and everything like that Mm -hmm. and he kind of used that to catapult this series to where it is um i don't know i'm trying to think about like his lead-in with this so this was yeah so getting back to 2005 so this is 2005 a lot was happening in 2005 as far as like in rap yeah like that's okay so think about it at def jam like Number one, like Kanye was their biggest like artist, mm-hmm. right? So they had Kanye, Jay Z put out the Young Guns and Memphis Bleak. Um, he also was started the Rock La Familia mm-hmm. thing, with right? True Life with True Life. So that was like huge. And then think about it, Fifty Cent was out. Yeah, you know, like and G Unit was on like like on the on the rise in two thousand five. So there were I understand like why like I understand why the labels slept on him. But it just was like really fucked up, like because mm-hmm. he was better than a lot of dudes, mm-hmm. and it was that's just that like he was pretty much like just being put in limbo. Like there was an interview where um, someone spoke to Jay Z and they were like, "Yo, what's up with Joe Budden's album? It's done." And he was like, "I don't have Joe Budden's album in my hand. I can't. I can't speak on a project that I don't have." Mm-hmm. And like I remember like. One time when Joe was still on the show with Ronnie Moore, he spoke about that. He was like, "I look like, what the fuck do you want me to do? Like, I like I, I had to speak to Carlene, and Carlene kept telling me that you were in a meeting. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like, he was just frustrated because like when he originally came to Def Jam, Kevin Lyles and Leo Cohen were his were his guys because yeah, they yeah. were the people who signed him. Yeah, and pretty much because he wasn't an artist that Jay Z and and L A re-signed, pretty much like he was treated like a redheaded stepchild. Yeah, and like that's like where his frustrations came, and I think that's why it was such a full circle moment. When um, Jay Z came to that that Duce Palooza and they were backstage and he like was like let me just ask you like like why'd you like why'd you do all that yeah and then Jay Z was like so what like you successful yeah. like it don't matter no like, more like like, like you good like your your life is great which is toxic as hell this is like yo he's he's legit trying to get past some shit. And he probably he probably really that was a that was a moment for him to get that off his chest for closure. Yeah. And Hov was just like, Yeah, so what? 
So like, what? It don't matter. It like, don't he matter. just said. Yeah. He was like, it don't <laughs> matter. Like, we cool now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, like, yeah. we threw jabs at each other. Yeah. Like, it's all good. Who cares? That's that's mad funny. Um, But, yeah. So, like, revisiting this, I'm like, damn. Like, he, he was in a jam. And this is all he could do was, like, you know, put this shit out the way that he was doing it. And um, this was, like, on the, the rumblings of... The blog era, yeah, of of how we came he was to know a, it. He was an underdog, and that's what like I've learned that like a lot of people like rallied behind him. Like um, our homegirl Mo Bigger is a big, big Joe Button fan. Yeah, Shout out to Mo yeah. And like obviously, you know, like she loves like that emotional shit. Mm-hmm. So like him doing all that was like a big deal. And then mind you, like he also like Joe Button TV. Yeah, and we got introduced to to, to Harry mm-hmm. jumping yeah. on the trampoline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, my first episode of Joe Button TV was the one I think she was cooking, and he kept bothering her, and I was like, "Yo, who is this? Like, you just who is this? What's this? Yeah, What's going man. on? Who is this big ass Dominican?" Yeah. <laughs> and um, and it just became a thing. Like, it just blew up, and then it went from being on Joe Button TV to being on World Star Hip Hop every week to it was just a whole thing to her getting on the cover of King Magazine. Yeah. It was a whole thing, right? Um, Down to the to the to the um, getting punched in the face over him making the comments about the top rappers list. Oh, saying uh, he vibe. Was be- yeah, the vibe yeah. top rappers are saying that he was better than Method Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like it, it was like all these things like that were like chronicled and like there's all these highlights and like that's why um, Joe Budden calls himself the disruptor because like in hip hop like there's certain things that like he speaks on and talks about and. Mm-hmm. He is at like the center of it, so that's what it made made it so funny when he was listed as the number one like podcaster. And, yeah, like, people were debunking it. He was mad that yeah. people was hating on him. Yeah, he was like, "Yo, who else would it be?" Like he was just upset. Um, which I which I understand, but getting getting into the actual fold of the album, um, what's some of your biggest standouts from here? Um, okay, uh, if I die tomorrow with the twenty twenty two, oh sample, yeah, is like a big deal for that's me. That's good. Like. I was like, yo, Joe like rapped over this beat. Like, yeah. Damn. And it it just encompassed the um the overall vibe and the tone of mood music. Mm-hmm. Cause that's that's exactly what it is. Um Six Minutes of Death was peak punchline rap. Mm-hmm. Like peak. Like you have Stack Bundles, who was supposed to be like the next one. Rest in peace, Stack Bundles. Yes. And then you have Jay Mills who you couldn't tell me Jay Mills wasn't gonna be like the Same. biggest rapper in the world. <laughs> right? And then Joe, like in my opinion, outraps both of them. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, he sounded the best too. Right, uh, and who, like, like, the, like those, these, those two were like the standouts for me. Um, and then uh, so serious, old school mouse, mm-hmm. um, world takeover. I think it's like funny because like uh, at the beginning of the song, like he's going off like how he does in the, in the on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was dumb, um, dope. And then uh, dumb out, obviously. Dumb out is a cla- It's a classic Joe Budden record. And uh, forty licks and stained. Man. man, those are those are some good ones because yeah, forty man. licks. I remember when that came out. This is back when I used to make. Uh, so this was my twelfth grade senior year. And I used to make mixtapes and stuff. And sometimes 
uh, people would just be like, yo, like put whatever, put whatever you want on there. And I put 40 licks on everybody's mixtape because I liked it that much. Damn. I would just put it on there and they're like, yo, this is, this is crazy. This is dope. Cause people weren't digging in, into LimeWire and into the mixtape circuit, like how I was in Detroit at least. Okay. Um, so I put this on there on a lot of people's shit and they all fucked with it. I ran this back. So, like, when I heard this back on this replay, like, because we have to, typically when we assign ourselves these albums, we do a replay, obviously. And I got to this, and it just unlocked so many memories. I haven't heard it in years. Um, So that one, oh, so serious for me as well. You know, Mm -hmm. he had the, um, what do you say on here? My label got me questioning my favorite rapper. Like, ooh, you know who that's for. It, It was just, throughout the whole album, up until you get to Dumb Out, is when you get the overall smoke for Hov. Yeah. Like he he just had so much smoke for him, and it's um and it's warranted. Like it, it was in the time frame where he was super frustrated. Right. I mean, there was a time, there was a point in time where Joe was announced as being signed to Rockefeller. Yeah, by Dame Dash. Yeah, and then think about this: like the ties were really close too, because um, Skane Dollar and I forgot the other gentleman's name were like managing him and mm-hmm. like handling his his stuff. And like they, they're, they're, they're that's Clue's team. Yeah, and they're close as hell with Jay Z. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I know Joe. Pa, I, I guarantee you that there was one argument where he was like, "You can't just call this nigga right now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like um, so, I just think that there was like a lot of elements where of frustration where he's like, "Yo, like I spent all my money mm-hmm. and I need to put out another project." And you know, like I just think that at the time when he came out. Um, the kind of rap that he was doing, like it just wasn't, it wasn't. It, the, the, he came out at the wrong time, unfortunately. Obviously, like he was able to get a crossover hit with Pump It Up, but that really wasn't. He, he's capable of making those songs, but like that's not. Joe. That's not his bag, yeah. Yeah, and I think that was like the issue for him, like, and so because they that, kept being like, make another Pump It Up. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you think if he would have, like, let's say, Jay? And L.A. Reid heard more music too, and they were like, "All right, let's let's you know make this the album." And because the album was supposed to be, what was it supposed to be called? The uh, damn, was that the one the uh, the padding room or something like that? Nah, nah, well, no, no. After after the the Joe Button album, he had a project, and he had the name for it. he had a release date and everything, and I think it was called like uh, Google it real quick. Ain't that the one that he's sitting in the thing? Nah, nah, nah. There was there was a. Uh, it was it was called something like folk like not focus like uh it was supposed to be called something I, I really want to get the name of it because I like I can't remember it's not called focus it's called like uh um the growth I did write the it growth. down okay the, his second project was supposed to be called the growth so I think Mo, the, the the recordings for Mo, Mo Music One and Mo Music Two like combined would have been the growth yeah do you think if that yeah, see this is what I was talking about. Oh, pad room. Okay, I thought that came out as escape route, but escape. no, that's yeah, it was this. That's what it. That that's one? what I was thinking of. Okay, that one. That's what I was thinking right. about. Right. So, do you think if he would have put out the growth, would mm-hmm. he would it have done anything? Do you think like he would have made noise like the 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 impact that the Moon Music series had? Right. Do you think that the growth would have had the same impact? It so the Moon Music series has the impact that it had because of the tone and the and the content. I don't think if Joe Budden was happy with his deal that we would have got more music. So I don't know what we would have got. Okay. It's really hard to say because he was so frustrated because of the turn of events or the way that shit played out for him that he went and he made new music. So new music was a result of the frustration. So like 
if he kept going, we probably ultimately would have got Moon Music because Joe is just Joe. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever like fully a satisfaction rate for him. Right. I don't think I think this is the happiest we've seen him like in his podcast life. Mm-hmm. But like with music, it's hard to say because even in the scope of things, if you think about 2005, it was still too crowded for him. You're right. Still way too crowded. Yeah. The 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 pool that that was out because you got to think about it like his. That's why him and Game had uh, beef. Yeah. Because pretty much him and Game, they were pretty much like uh, like the game was was Interscope what he was supposed to be for Def Jam. Uh-huh. And like they wanted up like running into beef and like Joe destroyed. I, mm-hmm. I think Joe won that one. Like uh, All I remember, I don't remember much of the beef. I just remember Game's uh, this uh, buttons, buttons. I just remember, that's all <laughs> I remember. I, I don't remember much of the music. At all, I do. I remember that. I remember that because, like, I was really into like whenever rappers like got into beefs. Like, I don't know, you know, I love comparing shit. Yeah, yeah. So like, I was like, these both dudes is both like super lyrical dudes, and like, I just thought like, oh man, like I gotta hear this. And when I heard like Joe say like you guys wearing the, the funny wife beaters with the strappy tank, the, the straps, <laughs> I thought I was like, oh, he's killing. I got. Niggas. I actually got to revisit that. I haven't heard it in forever. Um, but. Even getting back into the fold of this album. So there's a lot of stuff on here that I really liked. I was a little hesitant to listen to it because I was like, man, this album probably wasn't mixed the greatest. And but like the when you listen to it now, like it still sounds pretty good. Like there's there's some good shit on here. Um, but then there's there's songs on here that I never want to hear ever again in my life. Mm. Like uh Three so Sides right. to a Story. It's a very, yeah. I get the cautionary tale and yeah. telling those very unfortunate three different stories that he told. Yeah. Um, but this was around a time where people was making songs like that for like, um, like Ludacris. I think about Runaway Love. Yeah. Little Eric was only 10 years old. Like all that shit. I don't care. Shout out to Jolito. I don't My I don't man wanna... Jolito was throwing in that Oh, word. He wasn't yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kiki Palmer. Yeah, man. Um, I don't want to hear shit like that. Like, when when do I ever want to listen to that? That's what I'm saying. Like, when shit like that plays, I get it for like award seasons and stuff. But as far as music quality, like me listening to it, like, I don't want to hear shit like that. Yeah. Um, for me, and that was produced by Scott Storch. Yeah. Uh, what's up? That chorus. That chorus. What's up? What's up? Yeah. yeah I shit. couldn't. I couldn't do it with uh. that chorus, and for a reason, I didn't like you. Oh, for a reason, for a reason. Did I write anything for that? What did I say about that? I don't think I really. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The chorus, chorus was terrible. That was the one with the singer. Yeah, I think yeah. I don't think Joe's very good at choruses. No, personally. he's not. He's not that good at choruses. Like, I, I think that I think that he caught one with a. Uh, he caught one with pump it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, like I, I'm not a fan of his choruses. Yeah, he's um. I think Joe is one of those rappers that. With the direction, it could be phenomenal. But like, he just wants to. He him just as a rapper is great. Mm-hmm. Just like Wayne. Wayne as a rapper is. Amazing. What's hilarious is, is that like he would have flourished on Shady. Hell yeah, he would have. He would have really. Flourished. He would have been. He would have been a like. I really think so. I think that if M had him and M had built the relationship early on, it would have worked out really well. The reason why him and M's relationship didn't work out well was because by the time Slaughterhouse came over there. The relationship wasn't through him; it was through Royce. So, mm-hmm. like, and like Joe That's just had, oh, and Joe has like a, mm-hmm. Joe has like a chip on his shoulder. Everybody and like authority figures and like, when people don't talk directly to Joe, he kind of yeah. feels slighted. Yeah, I think around this time frame too. Um, funny enough, because I didn't think about the fold of Shady and everything like that. But if he was with, 
if he was cool with Shady around the time that Fifty and all it like around that whole frame, yeah, he would have took off. He would have took off. Hopefully, he, hopefully they would have kept him away from G Unit though. Yeah, but like, he just would have been a shady artist, like how Obi Trice was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Obi Trice did really good too. Got mm-hmm. some teeth. Like mm-hmm. you know, shout out to Alvon. He worked on that project. Yeah, that um, project yeah. was amazing. Too, like, I think I think then. that. I think it really he it was just been right up his alley like and then like Eminem giving him those dark ominous beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple songs on here too where I think Eminem would have sounded great on. Yeah, I agree. Um, there is, I think I even wrote that down. There's a song on here that I was like, damn, Eminem would have sounded great on here. And there's a couple, and I was like, damn, like, and it speaks to even just their chemistry that that they could have built on. It's like a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah like I, just, I just think that that was oh the future. the future, the future, That song, that's number, that's track number six. It samples uh Bill Withers. Uh, yes. Yeah. Second, the second verse in particular, kind of borrows Eminem's flow. I think, I think that's something that he would have bodied, especially in two thousand five. Like what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, like I said, um, like we already said, two thousand five was just it was like a really like robust year of music. Mm-hmm. And for for somebody like Joe, like it just he just got like he just got buried. Like he, if in a perfect world, Joe when Leo Cohen and Kevin Lyles left, he should have demanded that he go with them. Yeah, because, that wasn't great. Because think about it, like they they went and like Ti's career took off because they were they were working with Ti. Like mm-hmm. it's basically like they swapped. Like because like you know on our last episode we talked about Ti was signed to uh, Arista with um no I'm sorry Warner Brothers with uh. What's this guy? Um, L.A. Reid. Yeah, yeah. He was under L.A. Reid. L.A. Reid. L.A. Reid didn't understand him. He didn't understand him, right? He like L.A. Reid leaves, goes to Def Jam. Kevin Lyles goes to one, goes to Atlantic. T.I.'s on Atlantic. Kevin mm-hmm. Lyles on this gets it completely. Yeah. And T.I.'s career takes off. Mm-hmm. He lead like, but if Joe Bunny would have went to Atlantic with Kevin Lyles, I'm pretty sure Kevin Lyles would have understood him and gave him the time and attention that he needed. Yeah. And it just sucks, like you know. Um, so well, yeah. Is, so. I guess my question is though, what is what is a happy Joe Button? What would a happy Joe Button be like in music? Because I don't think we've even seen that side. We've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. Um, even with his first album, when he should have been on top of the world, when he should have been happy, I think he had some. He had some real life issues mm-hmm. that he was trying to get over. Um, he had a song called Ten Minutes" on his first album, where he like really, really goes in. Like he he really pours it out there and I, I think he's just he's just one of those artists that kind of just digs deep but I don't know what that looks like and I've asked this about Cuddy too funny enough like cause Cuddy's music was never the happiest it was reflective it was you know it was somber there was a lot of sad moments I think we can get a happy Cuddy album though I think we've had one but he and it didn't do well I'm sorry. We've had a couple. Because I, I like, I, I've never not liked the Cuddy Project. So I got to go, I got to like revisit it. But yeah, happy Cuddy. Yeah, because it's like those people that make it, that are like, um, you make it based off of like, you know, this sadness that you bring. But then also people that are all, that also share that sentiment, pouring them, you pouring yourself out there. Like what happens when you reach happiness and those people are still sad and they're relying on you to kind of encompass their mood? Like how do you get pigeonholed? Like how like you know what I mean? You do get pigeonholed. Like that's what happens. Like and then you get put under like a genre rap. So like yeah, you basically saying Joe Button is like the Mary J. Blouser rap. <laughs> like nobody I get, wants in that a nigga sense, to be like, happy. That's what that's basically what he was because 
Yeah, and R and B music because people, you know, Summer Walker right now she's she's living her life right mm-hmm. like and she make she doesn't make the best decisions, and people are like, well, the music is gonna be fire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, first thing that people said when Miguel got his divorce, yo, that album's gonna be fire. So it's like we kind of rely on these people to go through these down moments because we know me, on the me, other side me, of it, I was talking about that. Um, we were talking about it because you know how sometimes an artist will make a like, all right, so like an R and B, right? Like a lot of the times, like um, a man is like begging a woman to take him back, mm-hmm. or like he's like saying, like singing, like you know, like like babyface, like I'll I'll do this for you, I'll cook, I'll clean, I'll mm-hmm. do all that shit, and like whereas like most times, like you run into situations where like a woman might, like all right, when Destiny's Child may cater to you, women were pissed, yeah, right, but like if they make a song saying like men ain't shit, fuck men, he did this to me, he did mm-hmm. that. A lot there's so many women who have been like fucked over by men. Mm-hmm. They it's kind of like to them. yeah, it's like trauma porn. Like mm-hmm. they like it speaks to them cuz like they went through it. But if a woman like sings about being happy, and other women enjoy it, they're looking like you simp. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that ain't real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Yeah, so like that's that's actually pretty funny. That's the I guess that's the unfortunate part of, you know, being this type of artist. Mm-hmm. But uh but this uh this mixtape is filled with a lot of high moments. I mean, and stained. Stained I really like, produced by Scram Jones. Yes. Um Shout I think out. Damn, yo, I know so many people associated with this shit. Shout out to Scram. Yeah, this is like um the sample of this, which samples uh stained, mm-hmm. um, this uh a band. Um this samples their song outside. Um this had like a festival feel to me. Like it sounded like some shit that could ring off at a festival. It's not like high high octane energy. It's just one of those like pivotal points in an album that like makes you pay attention no matter where the setting is. Like I and I really like that about it. Um uh what else on this album? Is there anything else notable that you wanted to get into? I mean, no, not really because with it, like we we just went to like we got to the meat and potatoes mm-hmm. like on on streaming services they don't have the mixtape version so like mm-hmm. all of the skits and the, the killer, killer, the killer B eight stuff that was really funny and mm-hmm. like um you know the DJ that was hosting it like there's there's none of him or DJ on point mm-hmm. so like we just got to the meat and potatoes so like this is just about like the music so it kind of like uh it take it, it takes away when you listen to it if you if you're familiar with the mixtape version more mm-hmm. but. The the project did what it was supposed to do, mm-hmm. so that's what made me like really like happy and like high on this project. And again, like I said, shout out to Felix and his sad ass because you know, he, <laughs> made, he Felix Felix like made it like was very adamant about why this project was such a big deal and why yeah. Joe Button was so respected. Because I really- I didn't before I before Felix put me on to to the to Joe Button Moon Music series, I didn't even consider Joe Button a top MC. Mm. Like I just didn't like I was just, like because I only heard the, the first album like yeah, yeah and then you know like I said like I knew about Dumb Out and I was like oh, okay like he, you know he he did his thing mm-hmm. but Felix really made me understand like yo like Joe Button is nice and yeah. you need to like pay attention so um, thank you Felix he he's just so Joe is just so like like his punchlines are never just like regular he always ties something with current events into it. And sometimes it could be pretty mean, <laughs> like yeah. like when he said the the Fox Brown, Foxy Brown thing. Oh yeah, he said Fox Brown should be the only one that can't hear that. Like, 
that was like right that spoke to that moment and i yeah. think that's the problem too with joe bart sometimes is that it's very much of that moment so it doesn't give it space to age well because it's those moments like that's such a 2005 bar that like when you hear it now if you're not familiar with what that was, it just goes right past you. Right. But at that time, you know, some people would know that Foxy Brown had well, some hearing issues. Yeah, she lost her yeah. Joe wakes up and reads the newspaper every morning. Yeah. yeah. So like with him, like he's it's gonna give you current yeah, he's gonna give you current events like mm-hmm. like like no other. Yeah. So um and then he has a he has a couple other joints on here. Well, dumb out. He had the whole I'm downloading like niggas actually play this. Like <laughs> maybe I'm bugging out, maybe I'm on a spaceship. So like a lot of frustr a lot of frustrations on that of like and we've seen that from a lot of artists where they feel like they just know that they the nicest and they getting overlooked. And um and it's interesting to see. I feel like we've seen that from Nikki. We've seen yeah. that from Nikki a lot, where Nikki is like, yo, I'm nice, like, and this is what y'all like, but then it makes you sound crazy. Because nobody like wants asshole. to yeah, yeah, nobody wants to tune into that. And I and that was one of Joe's biggest problems. You know, um, but for overall for this album, I was very impressed that it kind of has held up to how I saw it. You know, early on. Yeah, it didn't you know? change. It didn't change anything. It didn't like, change. Yeah, I didn't listen to it. And was like, damn, this is dated, or the rap sound bad, or or sound old or, mm-hmm. or cheesy. Mm-hmm. Like it's still like as strong. Like I think that's why it's so significant to me. Like when you tell a person that might not be familiar with. You know this run for Joe Button, like yo, listen to the to the movie music series. Yeah, nine times out of ten, like they gonna come back to you, like yo, I didn't yeah, know. yeah. I wouldn't recommend binging the movie music series. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend. It's not a series you listen to back to back to back unless you if you really going through some shit. Then okay, by all means, I guess. But this is it's a very heavy listen. Take you take think, some do time. Do you think his son listens? Yeah, I think his son definitely has listened. Yeah, I mean, he talked he talk, like he talked about his son too much on on his early work for him not to be in tune when he, from when he was young. What did he say? Bitch, just take the two fifty. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was on the opening track. Yeah, give you the abortion. I I gave you the two fifty. Yeah, like that. That nigga is. That nigga's different. Yeah, man. very honest. Like that's a hard comment. Like you know, sometimes like you you, you might hear rumblings like, yeah. "Hey, like when mom found out she was pregnant, like you know, how happy were you guys?" Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, like nah, like he like he knows like Joe was arguing with his mom. Like, it's nah, all like it's literally all in get the rid music. of Trey. <laughs> yeah, it's literally all in the music. Um, but yeah, man. Um, I'm interested to hear your your rating. Um, I get his rate a, a four waffles out of five. Um, mm-hmm. because like the the rapping is there. Mm-hmm. The importance and impact is there. Um, the one, okay, the sequencing, actually, I actually like the sequencing as well. Mm-hmm. The, my one issue is just the production. Mm-hmm. And that can be like a preference because there might be some people that think that this production is amazing. Yeah. But it's, if I'm just, that's like my one gripe. That's my only like beef. Like even like the um, the low point songs, like uh, still like that, like you can't, I can't take them off the album. I just don't like them. Okay. Okay. I get that. Um, I think I'm comfortable giving this a three and a half. Okay. Uh, I think for me, it's, yes, it's the production, but it's also the choruses. The choruses yeah, the cor- Yeah, the choruses suck. Terrible. They do. They do. The choruses really bring this down for me. Um, <laughs> but Joe, like the songs that I'm like, ugh, 
Joe comes on and he's rapping and he actually makes it better. He makes he the experience it. better. Yeah, he saves it. And it's just like, damn, I wish, I wish you didn't have to be, I wish you could just there's certain songs where the production and everything just works like like that's probably why I like 40 Licks so much on this album. Right. Um, because the production is beautiful to me and the way he's rapping, what he's rapping about is all solid. Um, even at the end, he lets the production ride out. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, three and a half for me. Um, but it is very essential in Joe's catalog that you that you listen to it if you're trying to get into his music. Highly recommend. I agree. So that's it for us. I hope that you guys definitely revisit this album. You know, obviously for Gen Z, if you guys are tuning in, you don't even know Joe as a rapper. This probably wouldn't even matter to you. But if you are curious, I would recommend listening to the Mood Music series. It's unavoidable in his catalog. And um, that's it from us. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Tori and B. And we're out of here. Next time. These are their stories. Dun dun.